stay connected this winter with this unbeatable deal from BreezeLine. Get reliable, fiber-powered internet for just $19.99 per month with all-in pricing for two years. But that's not all. Your first month is on us. This deal gets better with a free modem and installation along with free Wi-Fi your way whole home coverage. Safeguard your network from cyber threats and keep all your devices connected and secured with this amazing offer. Act now. Terms and conditions apply. Offer expires March 3rd, 2024. Learn more at BreezeLine.com. If someone were afraid of the dentist, maybe they haven't been in a long time, maybe they're embarrassed because they haven't been in a while, I feel like this would be a really safe place for them to go and get the care that they need. At Advanced Dentistry, we get it. If you've been avoiding the dentist because of fear, worry, or just not wanting to be judged, if you want to learn how IV sedation can change your life, visit NoFearDentist.com. There's no place to escape to. This is the last podcast. On the left. <laughs> That's when the cannibalism started. What was that? Welcome to the last podcast on the left, everyone. I am Ben Kissel, as always, with Marcus Parks. Hello. And the wayward son has returned. Yes. Yes, I am 15 pounds heavier, filled with ergon meat. Oh, that's exciting. I'm so shocked you didn't die in Atlanta. I remember I had, uh, so did I tell you how about having lamb testicles at my favorite place in, in Atlanta? No, you did not. With Henry Zabrowski. The guy came forward. Yes, I'm lamb testicles Henry Zabrowski. <laughs> Farmer's favorite Henry Zabrowski, because I finished all the scraps. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but they come, and they, they, these guys were like, like, have you had the new lamb fries on the on the menu? And I was like, no. As a matter of fact, I have. And they're like, you gotta you gotta check it out. These things are flying out the door. Uh-huh. And they brought it out. It was just fried dick balls, like yeah. normal lamb uh, balls, and they called them lamb fries. Lamb fries, and yeah. you eat them. They were fantastic. They got an organy flavor. I don't know how to describe an organy flavor. It's like kind of like a blood flavor. Oh, they, I've eaten testicles. Hmm. <laughs> Problem though is, I don't want to ask this to our listeners as well. Has anyone ever seen dick on the menu? I've never seen an animal's cock no. served in any just alone. Well, it's, it's just skin. They're it, blood sacks. No, it's not. It's got cartilage. It's got some meat in there. <laughs> right, uh, right. Well, I don't know. We'll talk about that on a, uh, on the B-sides. Actually, we'll For talk our- about that on episode three of <laughs> Dean Coral. That's right. We're talking about Dean Coral speaking of blood sacks and disgusting edible things. Man, mm. Dean Coral would have gone hog wild for some hog penis at Holman and Finch in Atlanta, Georgia. <laughs> Come get hog wild on hog penis. Maybe that could help a lot of our more de- dangerous pedophiles if we serve more open cock in restaurants, like actual pieces of cock that they can personally buy, and then they go and they tear it like a dog in heat. You think that's the major issue? Yep. Okay. Well, that's great. Let's get to something more disturbing than Henry's diet. Dean Coral. Well, first of all, the sources for this uh, series are the Texas Monthly article, The Lost Boys, by Skip Hollinsworth. Check Mm. it out. It's absolutely fantastic. Check out all of Skip Hollinsworth uh, articles. He's a fantastic director. journalist. Uh, And also the books Mass Murder in Houston by John Gurwell and The Man with the Candy by Jack Olson, which is one of the best true crime books that I've read in the last few months. It's pretty wonderful. Like, and the description of Houston, which we'll get into in the next episode, is, is absolutely incredible. You get to really understand where Dean Coral came from and, and what he's what he's all about. Yeah, yeah. And the title alone, I mean, I would be so easily tricked if I was a child once again. The man with the candy. I want to meet him. That was a problem. <laughs> you were too obvious. Yes. <laughs> you just walk around being like, I don't care if you rape me. Just give me the goddamn candy. You and- got Charleston Chew back there? Yeah. All right. I'll suck your dick. I'm just telling you. I loved Charleston Chew. They were the longest of all the candies. Well, if you don't know who Dean Coral is, and a lot of people don't, he was an American serial killer that, along with accomplices David Brooks and Elmer Wayne Henley Jr., killed at minimum 29 teenage boys almost exclusively in one small Houston neighborhood over a period of three years from 1970 to 1973. Mm. And Coral's killing spree ended only when one of his accomplices shot and killed him in the midst of a murder. And Coral held the record for most confirmed kills in the United States until John Wayne Gacy was apprehended four years later in 1978 with a confirmed murder count of 30. 
1993. So, I couldn't help but think of it, Pennywise, in Dairy. You this know. is an extremely it type of story. In fact, that's what kept coming up in my mind mm-hmm. when uh, I was reading The Man with the Candy. It's a very much like an it type of situation where just teenagers are going missing left and right, and no one's really saying anything about it except for the kids. And literally mm-hmm. an area of the of Houston called The Heights, which is like two miles by three miles. It's like it's a very small town. It's a little area of Houston where these kids are just disappearing, and they mm-hmm. just, we're, we're going to find out how Houston is ran by the police. It's sort of a laissez-faire attitude. It's as long as it, you, as if the crime did not involve either a rich person or a black person, the Houston police did nothing. Right. And these kids, they just said, oh, they're runaways, which mm-hmm. makes me really consider the fact every child, if you have a child and you listen to this podcast, that child is about 60% of the way ready to leave your home. Lock up the windows and <laughs> shut the doors. They're ready to go. Tether up the child. They just want to leave. Um, but Dean Coral is sort of like a precursor to John Wayne Gacy. The same exact kind of man. Uh, a man who held a lot of esteem in his community who used that to lure boys in there. Mm-hmm. And what is it about Working at a candy shop and wanting to have sex with dead boys. <laughs> when you're around sweets at work, you want to have something sour at home. But you think about it. Between Jeffrey Dahmer, <laughs> Jeffrey Dahmer working at a chocolate factory, these are where right. they are employ- These are just employees of candy factories. Right. What about the owner? It's always the inverse. <laughs> what about right. William Hubert? Hershey's yeah. who's sitting in a, in a fucking like a is he in a castle in Transylvania who's just like an early drink come it's just like gob- pewter goblets filled to the brim with frothy semen yes yes and they put that that's the milk and the chocolate mm. <laughs> so since Dean Coral was murdered before he was apprehended it's important to know that most of what we know about Dean's formative years comes from his mother Mary. Now, Mary is what you might describe as a real piece of work. She loved her son to a fault. Yes. Which is kind of the problems when you continue to love your son after he's raped, tortured, and murdered 29 boys. Uh, and she's very Ed Geeny. She was kind of all over his childhood mm-hmm. and uh, treated him like a king and was very ultrally, in the end, too protective of yeah. Dean. And mm-hmm. they were extremely protective of each other. They, uh, Some people who worked at the candy factory with them said that their relationship sometimes was of Dean being the father and Mary being the daughter. It was a very odd, symbiotic, two-way relationship that they had. Mm -hmm. And as Henry said, Mary, even after her son's crimes came to light, even after it was proven beyond a shadow of a doubt that her son had committed these crimes, she never had a single bad word to say about him. Not a single one. Not a single Mm. critical word Mm -hmm. to say about him. Ben, you're you're looking a little wistful there. I'm just going to say, in the mother's defense... A lot of people are saying a lot of bad things about her son, but she remembers when he was just six months old now, inside of her and how nice he was sucking his thumb inside her womb. No, I know I read that article where it said he shoved that steel wire up the penis of one of those young boys, mm-hmm. but I will say he always combed his hair. Mary, you raised him right. I raised him right. Mary, you raised him right. I know he had a shiny belt buckle on when he was having sex with all those boys against their will, but yep. at the same time, boys will be boys. That's and right. boys raping boys and boys raping boys. <laughs> and he always combed his hair. Mary, you raised him right. I raised him right. You raised him. Margarita. Another margarita. No, bring me the woman named Margarita who's supposed to clean up these other empty margaritas. <laughs> You raised him right. (laughs) The reason why we only know about Dean's childhood from his mother is because the rest of his family, including his younger brother and his father, Arnold, never gave a single detail about Dean's childhood. They never talked to the press. They never, we don't know anything about them other than what Mary told us. So it is important to kind of treat some of this with a bit of skepticism or to at least know that there is a lot of things about Dean's childhood that Mary conveniently left out. Well, mm-hmm. absolutely, because uh, obviously what he grew into is very different than the child she raised. Yes. Right. 
Do you think that she purposely lied, or do you? I mean, you fill your mind with the moments you want to remember. Right? I think it's a. I think it's lying by omission and choosing to not talk about. That. I think it's just choosing. Like, well, I'm not sure if I remember that correctly. I think she's choosing to lie. I think what we discover a lot when we talk about serial killers all the time is that that uh, a lot of times they're never really like, oh, he was always like totally fine and totally quiet and totally normal. There's always something fucked up about a serial killer, even as a child. And the mothers always know. You know when the kid over there and he's just like I just wish that some of these dolls you gave me would squeal mommy squeal with fear it's like well comb your hair <laughs> you gotta have a nice set of hair well Dean Arnold Coral was born on Christmas Eve 1939 mm. in Wayndale, Indiana and as far as what Mary says about him as a child he was said to be a very solitary child didn't like to hang out with other kids but Mary said that this all went back to an incident at a birthday party in which all the other kids got prizes, but Dean didn't get any prize, so she thought that this made him a little bit of a recluse because he didn't want to get hurt again. For everyone who is upset about living in a generation where everyone gets a prize, just remember, the one kid who doesn't will kill your child. You will kill child (laughs) thinking about... Your child that right. did it to him first. So give, just give him a prize. You always give him a prize. Even if it's a little little noisemaker sure. or like a little like an eraser. Any kids love anything. You could tell them anything's a prize. Sure. Give them a pool net. Anything they didn't have walking in and they walk out with it, that it's a, that's a prize. Yeah, exactly. And Arnold and Mary's marriage was unstable to say the least, but it is important to note that Mary claimed that Arnold, uh, Dean's father, was strict but was never physically abusive towards Dean or to his brother. And personally, I think she's telling the truth on this one because when you take Mary's personality into account, if Dean's father had been abusive in any way, I think she would have used it to explain away some of his bad behavior or some of his odd behavior. And I also think that she would have used it to garner sympathy for herself. Well, it sounds Mm. like Mary is a pretty classic clinical narcissist, which is something that my vampire of a grandmother was diagnosed with, (laughs) which is a, a... true like kind of chemical un- misunderstanding that you know that there are other people that other people have feelings and I imagine as a, a narcissist like you look at the child as sort of an extension of yourself because if something was wrong with Dean Coral that would mean there was something wrong with how she raised him and all of the fault would go on her right. in her mind and it's not about him it never was about Dean it was about her raising a, a boy as a feminine in a feminine way as humanly possible uh, and and probably protecting him from her, from his father Absolutely. I'm going to have to call a b- 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 Ben Kissel bullshit <laughs> because back in the day, like not being an abusive father meant that you didn't publicly beat your kid with you, a stick. You didn't right? beat him it within was, an inch of his life. Exactly. Yeah. He didn't go to school with two black guys as if he just fought Mike Tyson in the early 90s. So I think that his father probably was physically abusive. I mean, you know, this was a time where, you know, uh, we all got swats, though. Yeah. But I mean, and and think about, you know, the, the way that we were treated as kids nowadays, we we would be in protective custody. So imagine. Imagine way back in the 50s, uh, you know, when he was coming up in, in the world, I would assume his father took some licks at him. Yeah, I'm sure. But well, you especially know. him prancing around talking about how much he loves mommy. You know, <laughs> right. like, why don't lo- you love me, damn it? <laughs> well, either way, the marriage with Arnold disintegrated twice. After a divorce and a quick re-up of a marriage, which soon fell apart as soon as the family moved to Houston. And after the divorce, the second divorce, by the way, Dean was sent to live with his grandmother in Indiana for a summer. And in Mary's view, and I might point out that Mary is from the Midwest, not Texas... The summer on the farm removed any need for sex education. This is what she said about that. Uh, you know, when they came back, I didn't see that there was much that I had to tell them. What kind of sex training do you have to give a boy that's lived on a farm? You don't have to tell him nothing. <laughs> uh, you got a lot of reversing to do. Whatever he thought he learned about sex on the farm is not going to be treated well in the city. No, because it's just some weird cryptic farmer going to be like, every time old Bessie acts up, what I like to do is I like to take my fucking ring finger. Uh-huh. my pinky finger uh-huh. and I jigger jagger it all here to back in her cleft right <laughs> because they say every horse has got a little spot up underneath to make its knees shudder and what I do is go gil 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 every time every time she acts up and if that don't do her right I'll shoot her in the fucking head <laughs> that's that's all I have to know about sex that's it oh wow cause I do the same thing to old Mary <laughs> she looks so happy 
Well, what Mary said is that, you know, even though, he, you know, he'd gotten his sex education by watching various farm animals, but she said that regardless of that, Dean was largely unconcerned with sex. And but he was still 10. Yeah. Right. What do you mean? That's, this is the weird thing where it's, it's like she says this thing like it would be normal for a child who was like 10 years old to be like, Mommy, sometimes I just think like, mm, I want to suck on a vagina. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Mommy, you have one, right? Like that's, right. that would be weird it's to not, me. Yeah, no, it's not how kids uh, speak. Or I mean, usually, I guess kids nowadays. What do you learn? What was the first thing that you realized sex was? Uh, you know, I guess you play with dolls like a Barbie. And a, I had a friend would come over. She would have Barbies and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I had those, and they had sex. So that's kind of a weird fetish. Wow, I like skinny I think, girls and n- turtles now. I guess that explains no, a lot. No, it was fine. It was the exact same thing with me. Yeah. Yeah, I, I had GI Joes that I would make make love, right? <laughs> and also, um, we had hardcore porno on the television because we had an illegal cable box. So I'd go oh, back there, there and go. be like, yeah. I wouldn't know what they were doing, but I'd be like, I'm interested. Like, <laughs> so I'm just sitting there, like my eyes would be locked on. I knew I had to shut it off. I was like five or six. Yeah. So I guess this farm animals is the 1949 version of Scrambled Spice Network. I still don't know if uh, watching old Greg fucking have sex <laughs> with a chicken behind a barn, like you know, like having right. silo sex with a bunch of grain around your knees <laughs> with like a couple of ducks. That's yeah. not, but that's not how you're supposed to learn. Different time. Well, Mary said that the weirdest thing that the kids got into is that they never liked to re- wear clothes and they just ran around the house naked all the time, which really isn't even that weird. I was that type of kid. I didn't like to wear And Marcus is completely normal. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. No, not weird. That's I'm not, not weird. tying boys to boards and chewing their dicks off. Sounds like somebody is arguing a bit too hard about <laughs> this. I don't know. Interesting. Well, maybe not. Well, when Dean was 14, his mother moved him and his brother to Vidor, Texas, which is just outside of Beaumont on the Texas-Louisiana border. Now, Vidor was what was called a sundown town, and those were so-called because of signs that were posted on the city limits warning black people about the dangers of being caught in said town after dark. They Fun! Did, they did not put it that delicately. Right. Uh, and in other words, Vidor was just, it was one of those terrifying towns full of psychopaths that just litter the Texas-Louisiana border uh, and even went as far in as central Texas. These towns still existed when I was growing up in the 90s. Ours was called Throckmorton Ugh. that had a sign outside of town that says don't let the sun set on your black ass. Mm. Like, Ooh, yeah, not the, cool. The kids mm. in my school, uh, the, the black kids, refused to go and play games there uh, because it was terrifying the kids right. would open the kids on basketball courts would openly elbow them in the face and the referees who were hired by the Throckmorton school uh, made a point to not call fouls that were made on black kids so it's sort of like being a reverse vampire you can go out in the daylight but <laughs> get out when the moon comes up question is can't we burn these places down? <laughs> well, I mean, I think they sort of look like they're burnt down already, yeah, for the no, most these, part. These towns are not thriving metropolises. Yeah. No, I don't think so. Yeah, they don't get a whole lot of influx of, <laughs> uh, of populations. Yeah, oh, industry a- doesn't come and invest in right. Throckmorton, Texas. We're not getting a lot of good house music from Throckmorton, Texas. <laughs> no. Not a lot of Tumblr DJs. I'm not even sure what that, what that sentence is. What would it sound like? I guess a milk jug and a rickety chair sort of just... <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how to do it. Either. Yeah, never mind. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, sundown towns—they have a very specific flavor to them. Like there, you definitely—I mean, you just—it's—it's it's not a friendly type of place. Like it is—it's a town where their entire identity identity is hate. Right. Like, it sounds like one of those bizarre towns where it's so racist, where they don't have chocolate ice cream. There's no black cats. <laughs> like they don't paint a house black. If you have a black car, you're the most diverse person on the block. But I gotta say, all right, every once in a while, now don't tell your mother. I got a little piece of 85% dark chocolate because of the antioxidants. <laughs> Risky move. Well, I mean, this this uh, reporter, uh, Sally Bixby Defty, uh, which is my favorite star reporter name that I ever heard, uh, she described Vidor as, quote, essentially the kind of place where the big event for the kids is to pour kerosene on a cat and set it on fire. And I also want to point this out. It's mm-hmm. like when people talk about uh, making a murderer and saying it's mm-hmm. Stephen Avery, you know, they were making a big deal about him setting fire to this cat, mm-hmm. like one of the crimes they were getting. It's like, you got to understand, these are powerfully bored 
and dumb people it's, alone. It's not that uncommon. Yes, like, it's really tr- not as uncommon as you want to think it no. is. Steve Avery, whatever you want to believe about his innocence, he is dumb. And everybody mm-hmm. around him was was backwards, incest-ridden plains people. Yeah. And that's what they do for fun. You know you're from there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true story. In my hometown, my fa- my friend's father drowned their cat, his sister's favorite cat, uh, in a in a little bucket, in a ten gallon bucket. He just did that. Yeah, and you know we knew it was kind of weird, and his sister no. was very upset with her father. We knew rednecks in Florida that would do that. They would have a problem yeah. with. They'd be like, "Oh, this cat, we can't take care of this cat," and they would just fucking drown it. Right. Because I mean, I'm not saying it's great. I think yeah. it's terrible. No, you don't drown say. it. You shoot it. Oh, I see. Cool. You see, that's what it is. Right. Yeah, of course. Yeah, Regardless, you, you don't put kerosene on it and light it on fire. No, you don't. You but I hear the funnest way to kill a cat is you take a bunch of bungees and you tie it to the front of your car and then you scare it to death driving <laughs> down the highway. I see. <laughs> well, Dean Coral, when he moved to Vidor, he had his own, and I got to say, this is a pretty unique style of animal mutilation, and I'll have to admit... Somewhat Wipe that smile <laughs> off your <laughs> face disgusting. immediately, Marcus. Got, no, no, no. I'm going to say, as far as animal mutilation it's goes... It's whimsical. Whimsical. That was the word that I was about to say. <laughs> oh, all right. Whimsical. His favorite target was the local flying squirrel population. And after trapping the squirrels, Dean would either chain them around his neck and stroll about town, or take them to school stuffed in his cowboy boots. Whimsical. <laughs> I would say also it's the most fabulous way to show off that you've killed a bunch of flying squirrels. Well, yeah, I mean it's just it's like it's a it's a wealthy woman on the Upper West Side in a mink you know jacket, but they just didn't do any of the work to make it you know wearable. Legitimately, I imagine Dean Coral as that as a sort of genteel like yes. little weird redneck boy just walking around being like, I hope you like my new st- statement necklace. <laughs> it looks like your necklace is gnawing at its other parts like there's a get there get be there be there your, ne- your necklace is known as be there okay. now it's beautiful it's very nice do you like my boots they're turquoise <laughs> <laughs> my sister is the best gift giver i've ever met of any person it's Jackie zabrowski she shops all year thinking about her family and friends and puts little things aside for their birthdays and christmases i have no idea how she does it I don't know how she do it, but guess what? She always wins Mother's Day, but not this year. I'm coming back. Ready to win Mother's Day and cement your reputation as the best gift giver in the family? I'm taking the crown. All right, give the moms in your life an Aura digital picture frame preloaded with decades of family photos. I mean this. We have the Aura frame up in my home. We absolutely love it. I can put photos on it very, very easily through the app. It's fun to do. And the memories keep cycling and I get emotional. And we filled it with pictures of Carmi and Wendy. And that is not sad. That is celebratory. So you should try it. It's honestly a really good product. Right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code LEFT at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace. Finding work-life balance can be tough, but Squarespace gives you the tools to reach your goals and have time to celebrate. Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. With the new guided design system, Squarespace Blueprint, you can select from curated layout and styling options to create a personalized website optimized for every device. Get your website discovered fast with integrated, optimized SEO tools. Plus, make checkout easy for customers with easy-to-use payment tools. And with Squarespace AI, you can explain what your site is about, choose your tone, enter what you need, and get auto-generated text. And that helps you save time. I know I'm sitting on about two literal wheelbarrows filled with Horse pics. Now, part of the issue has been is a lot of these pictures are getting stopped at customs because some of them do depict various world leaders in horse-like circumstances that seems to be pinging a lot of these custom agents' accounts. Now, so what I've done to do is like, so while I'm trying to work on hand smuggling these horse pics over various country borders... I then also have time because Squarespace is doing all the other ad work for me to go and work on my killdozer at home. So thank you, Squarespace, for allowing me to diversify in the best way possible for this country. 
Head to squarespace.com for a free trial when you're ready to launch. Go to squarespace.com slash left to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. This episode is brought to you by Philo. Do you love TV? Yeah, we do. Do you love saving money? Oh my God, you bet. Then Philo may be your solution. Philo has shows, movies, and live TV for just $25 a month. You can even try it for free with their seven-day free trial. That's amazing. No contracts, no commitments, no hassles. It's just a better way to watch TV. Get with it, people. Philo has an unlimited DVR for one year. Save all your favorite shows so you can watch on your own schedule. Philo allows for multiple profiles and multiple streams, meaning that your children or significant other can't ruin your queue. Never miss a minute of shows like, oh, RuPaul's Drag Race. You're going to watch it. You're going to love it. You're going to get involved with it. And it's an extravaganza. You're going to love it. With Philo, you can start watching in seconds for less money and less hassle. Try it yourself with your seven-day free trial. Sign up today at philo.tv slash left. That's P-H-I-L-O dot TV slash L-E-F-T to get 50% off your first month. And with Dean, when he wasn't torturing squirrels, Dean was said to be a very passionate trombone player in the high school marching band. Hmm. And the only thing... <laughs> seems, seems a very similar mouth movement yeah, to yeah, yeah, what yeah, you would later just, do. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. This just seems very indicative. I'm not right. saying that we should arrest no. all people who play trombone. No, or, well. or assume that everybody who plays a, hum- a trombone is a homosexual because that's also not necessarily that's the right. truth. But that's right. One would do Sleep stereotype with- of something, right? an instrument. One eye open, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> the only other thing besides flying squirrels and the trombone that could occupy Dean's mind in Vidor was candy. For Vidor, Texas would become the birthplace of the Coral Candy Company, for which Dean would become so well known for. For one fateful afternoon, a pecan salesman dropped by to find Mary baking several pies all at once, and the salesman, no doubt looking to take advantage of the mm. manic stay-at-home mom by making a regular customer of her, suggested that Mary might enjoy making and selling her own candy since she had all that extra energy anyway. No, mm. she was fucking that pecan salesman. <laughs> I, guess, I hope so. Because that's the other way he's been like, because I can imagine Mary rolling off and being like, you sure got a lot of energy, Mary. You ever think about selling these candies as well? <laughs> Sorry, I know I'm looking at your large naked body, but I still... I'm only thinking about candy. Yep, as he puts on his boots. <laughs> so Mary loaded up the family in the car, drove an hour and a half to a candy factory in Houston, and bought a praline recipe for $50. Now, I know we're going to get a lot of flack on that. Some people say praline. Some people say praline. No, what? I've I, never heard the term praline. Yeah, praline. Yeah. That's not a thing. Some people in Texas maintain that you say it praline, and if you say it praline, then you're out of whack. It's praline. You're a backwoods people. It's not your fault. It started <laughs> at the beginning of the country. We just yeah. we didn't have enough people there to start. And so there was a lot of families on top of each other, you know? Yeah, and they gave us the snake coil flag, which I think is one of a cool, it's a cool flag. Don't tread on me. Don't tread on me. Yeah, that's nice. And chicken fried steak. Oh, I love that. Mm. <laughs> so Dean, always eager to please his mother, soon took over operations of the Coral Candy Company. He ran the machines, he wrapped the candy in the boxes, and he delivered them one high school friend of dean said that's one reason why he didn't have a whole lot of social life also because he was a big old fucking weirdo <laughs> yeah who reeked a candy 24 7 was always talking about how he'd like to stick his dick in a yodel right. and we were said yodel you mean the chocolate ca- the chocolate little cake he's like no i like to call little boys Yodels. Mm, interesting. They they should have caught that earlier, yes. I guess. So he's cooking and delivering candy the whole time, flying squirrels in his shoes. Huh? <laughs> That's the other thing. That I mean, strange? Yeah. That, is there I mean, some code? Let's not talk about the gigantic box of horse bones we have in the basement of this Mexican Shredder. restaurant we're in. Cow bones. No. They're cow bones. Okay. Yeah. I gathered them myself. Very good. Creepy. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Well, all of the people out there on the Patreon campaign sure seem to be loving all these bones that I'm cleaning and harvesting. He really absolutely... Yes. Patreon.com slash last podcast on the left. For $20, you can get your own custom cleaned and cut bone. I'm only... Straight from Four High Point Ranch in I, Jayton, I, Texas. As long as we all know that these are horse bones. Right. And okay. not people... Cow bones. 
whatever bones they are. Cow bones. <laughs> yes, as long yeah. as I don't see one human-looking bone, like like this whole Patreon thing is some sort of scam to cover right. your many crimes. <laughs> and I do want to point out uh, the creepiest thing about the box of bones is in the bottom of the box there is a praline pie, uh, which his mother just packed there with it. So I guess they just sort of use it like uh, like the little popcorn things. Well, I mean, yes, you do make uh, jokes about you know it being in the candy factory and. F- Boots full of dead squirrels. Right. But that was those were the three centerpieces of his life. It was the squirrels, the candy factory, and the trombone. That's okay. that if you if he wasn't at the candy factory, he was in the band room practicing that trombone. Right. If he wasn't practicing trombone, he was out trying to capture and stomp to death flying squirrels in order to make jewelry for himself. <laughs> right, right, right. A completely normal childhood. <laughs> for yeah. Texas, maybe. Well, yeah. I mean the nineteen fifty eight Vidor yearbook, The Pirate's Treasure, uh, described him as quote Sweet to know, very occupied. That's great. So he's, I mean, honestly, actually, he does seem to be the most um, he, uh, societally friendly of all the uh, serial killers that we uh, speak about at this time Not in their really, life, though. right? He said that's what they said. He didn't actually have many friends. But he was busy working and doing things that, you know, would technically make a good upstanding member of society. Working with his mother on a conveyor belt making sweets. That's not bad. Practicing the trombone alone. Normal. Or killing squirrels and wearing them. A a little (laughs) abnormal. Yes. Yeah, yeah. It takes a left left turn there at the end. But remember the town that we're talking about here. Right. Remember this is Vidor. This is a sundown town. These are the worst towns in... America, mm. like these are the. I mean, they're they're towns full of psychopaths built on hate. Their standard of normal is not quite what the rest of the countries is. This right. is where if Texas Chainsaw Massacre was real, it would happen in Throckmorton. Like mm. it would happen in one of these places, yeah, Throckmorton, so, Vidor, any of these places. They yeah. are cruel places mm-hmm. uh, where with, that allow somebody like Dean Coral, who I imagine at the time probably received a great deal of hate for probably kind of he probably kept to himself super tortured knew that he was different than the other kids um was probably all fucked up and then he's just basically surrounded by budding psychopaths that couldn't wait to see any sort of aberrant behavior so they could stomp it out mm. yeah yeah someone yeah, should send if you want to shut these towns on someone should send gawker over there <laughs> and write an eviscerating <laughs> blog post that, about throckmorton 10 things you didn't know about throckmorton <laughs> So after high school, Dean returned to his grandmother's farm in Indiana where he got the sex education and got a job at a coil factory to help out his uh, grandmother after his grandfather died. And this, as far as we know, is when Dean started hanging out almost exclusively with children. His regular playmates were, surprisingly, a pair of sisters who lived about a half mile down the road who Dean used to make innocent eight millimeter movies with the movies reportedly comedic in nature showed the girls performing mock operations using chicken entrails in the place of real organs yep and i'm totally fine with it i actually have no problem that's the most wholesome thing he's done so far yeah (laughs) it's the most creative thing too one aspect about dean curl is that is completely against type that we'll kind of see again and again dean is a, a dean curl is a very against type uh serial killer he had no record of theft no record of vandalism, no record of sexual assault, no arson in his younger years. The adjective that came up again and again, both when he was in high school and as he got older, all throughout his 20s, the one adjective that people would always use was vanilla. Yeah, and they said mm. that there, in one of the, uh, in the book, Man with the Candy, that they, that's how they described Dean as being like, yeah, he's vanilla. There's nothing wrong with vanilla. They yeah. would always kind of say that because it was about, we'll, we'll learn in Houston, the big thing, especially in the Heights, was about keeping an air of normalcy in order to be, as long as, you, as long as you don't have a beard or like hippie glasses or wear hippie clothes, you were totally ignored in these towns. Yeah. yeah. That's what they said. As long as you didn't make a fool of yourself and as long as you were clean cut, no one cared what you did. But mm. I look at these crimes and I think he did have a, a sadistic predilection, of course, but I think a lot of it is sort of like John Wayne Gacy, where I think a lot of the murder started as a way to cover up his crimes, cover up his sexuality, uh, and that he was having sex and he liked rough intense sex with these fucking with boys he's a pedophile and then what he the murder came about as a way to cover it up and then eventually grew to be a part of his sexual fantasies yeah absolutely so at the age of 24 dean was drafted into the army where he served as a radio repairman 
in Fort Hood. Now, this mm. follows the pattern that we've observed with both David Berkowitz and Leonard Lake. Serial killers, and this is something that I didn't really know before or didn't really notice before, but the pattern that we start to see is that serial killers usually don't see a moment's action. Uh, even though all three of the men, David Berkowitz, Leonard Lake, and uh, Dean Coral, they were all in the Army during Vietnam. But actually, they don't see any action at all. Mm. For people that are in the armed service listening, uh, ask, answer me this question. Do you think that a lot of that is to do with the fact that they show basically too willingness to murder? Whether they show up and they're so enthused by getting the gun and going through the training and they're like, like Leonard Lake? Like I imagine somebody, which we're going to see out of Dean Coral later likes to dominate and likes to put his pain on people. Like, I, I wonder if the if, if even drill sergeants have like see that in training and they're like, oh, no, 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 he's not going to go anywhere. Near I the fucking think it's room. because as soon as the drill sergeant asks him to do a sit up, they break down and cry like pansy boys. And then uh, and then Dean Quarrel is like the dog in the movie up. Every time he sees a squirrel, he shouts and chases the damn thing. <laughs> <laughs> necklace, necklace. Why does he call squirrels necklaces? Yeah, it, it, I think it does have something to do with uh, I think it's more towards like what Ben was talking about is that they just don't have the kind of instinct that it takes to be a soldier. Their instinct to kill is there, but that doesn't make a soldier. That's no. not what a soldier is really there for. It's like discipline and teamwork and that that kind of stuff. That's the whole point. That's what shows a good soldier. Yeah. I, I, a willingness to kill is not at the top. But right. I also mm. find it interesting that they join the military. I think a lot of it's also because they feel aimless and Well, they're life. drafted. Yeah. Well, yeah. Was he drafted? He was drafted. Everyone. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. No, Leonard Lake, well, Leonard Lake volunteered, as did David Berkowitz. Mm. Uh, both those guys volunteered for the Army. Uh, and But uh, Dean Coral was drafted. But it is interesting how not, I don't know of a single uh, serial killer um or mass murderer that saw combat. Hmm. Uh, it's very in, it's very interesting. It's where it's something worth looking into later. Uh, but the army is also where a friend of Dean's claimed that Dean had his first homosexual experience. About that, the friend said, "He told me that's where it started. When you know, the, it was like the first time he had a he turned faggy. Really, I guess that's the only way I can say it." Is that what he says? There's a lot of different ways you can say it. That was exactly what he said. Yeah. Yeah. He, <laughs> so he, he said, that's the yeah, only way I could say yeah, it. He said, he told me that's where it started when, you know, the first time you ever turned into a fag, really. I guess that's the only way I can say it. Yeah. It was Vietnam. There's a lot of different ways you can say it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was when he had his. I just said it a totally different way when he had his first homosexual experience. You could just say he was gay. He was born gay and loved it. It was the, first, the only time I saw him happy because he was expressing himself for the first time. <laughs> Could just say he was bored. Who knows? <laughs> Not a lot to do as a radio technician there. Now, that experience actually must have happened pretty goddamn fast because Dean spent less than a year in the Army before his mother got him out on a hardship exemption saying that she couldn't possibly run the candy factory without him. And that mm. has got to be one of the sissiest letters the <laughs> Army will ever receive, which is yeah. your mother writing a letter for you saying she can't run the candy factory without you. Well, I mean, it, this is right because around he's the... just too deft with the, d the uh, yeah. divinity machine <laughs> pouring the meringues. She's out there like Lucy uh, on the conveyor belt. She has to start eating all the candies herself to keep up. I mean, it was a nightmare for that poor woman, Mary. Yeah. And I mean, to be fair to Mary, business at the Coral Candy Factory or the Coral Candy Company was booming. Dean was apparently a genius at the candy making business. He's always come with new recipes for pralines and pecan rolls and divinity and little chewies. Mm. These are chewies. That that uh, took an ironic twist there for the guy. <laughs> <laughs> kind of at the end. Towards, oh yeah. After we find out what he did there. <laughs> yes. Kind yes. of a different little chewy. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It says here I have to talk about something I need to get off my chest, and I guess I can share it here. I, I eat mayonnaise for fun. It's a hobby of mine, and it's an addiction. It's a daily weight on my life. How much I need whipped egg whites and oil crammed into my veins. As soon as I wake up, and a lot of people carry around a lot of different stressors, big and small. Some people are presidents. Some people are soldiers. 
some people have to eat mayonnaise, especially with hard-boiled eggs, which is what I eat for lunch. But I guess I should share that in therapy. Because therapy is a safe place to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. And what I do is I just add eggs if I have mayonnaise left over. I just continue to add the eggs. But if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. I hope they can help me. My God. I hope they can help me. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LastPod today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp! H-E-L-P dot com slash LastPod. Hey! Did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S. with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S.? They have everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, houseplants, and so much more. Whatever you're interested in, they have it for you. Find the perfect fit for your climate and space. That's one of my favorite things about it. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. Now, personally, I'm in the middle of re-landscaping my yard. I like to do it myself because I called up a landscaper to see how much it costs and it was absolutely insane. Plus, I love dirt. I love getting my hands in the dirt and I love planting things myself. And Fast Growing Trees has given me some wonderful plants that I can use. Like I got this uh, Texas sage, it's purple. I've dug up a whole bunch of horrible bushes and shrubs up in front of my window and in front of my house and put some purple Texas sage up there and it's going to thrive and it's going to look real good. And I didn't even have to go to a nursery to buy it. It came to my house. Now, this spring, they have the best deals online, up to half off on select plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code LEFT at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at FastGrowingTrees.com using the code LEFT at checkout. FastGrowingTrees.com, code LEFT. Offers valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. One in five Americans have learned a new language on their bucket list. If that's you, make 2024 the year you finally check it off the list. With Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors. It's a waste. Don't waste hours on apps. Besides appetizers, that's the kind of apps I like. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Did you know that empanada is already Spanish? I didn't. Thanks, Babbel. Did you know that burrito is already Spanish. Wow! I just gotta learn all the rest. And eventually, I'm gonna be eating downtown Mexico. Thanks, Babbel. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash left. Get up to 60% off at babbel.com slash left, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash L-E-F-T. Rules and restrictions may apply. Uh, Ruby Jenkins, who ran the candy apple business who, that shared the facility with the Triple C, recalled Dean's interactions with children through the lens of a pleasant and fun memory, which you kind of get this from a lot of people that had memories of Dean. Like they would recall him as just kind of a, you know, he's he's fine, he's all right. Like mm-hmm. he wasn't that bad of a guy. But they said it was very interesting. They said his relation. They, they were like, you know, they're like, well, Dean is a little too friendly with the kids. But then they were like, the way they equate it, they're like, well, maybe it's weird, but actually, it's you know, like maybe he's more like a scoutmaster. Yeah, where he loves the children. He just loves to be there. And some people were just put on earth to help others. That's yeah. what they would say. Yeah, and not be you know rampant molesters and murderers. <laughs> it was very yeah. disturbing. As a child, we took in a lot of foster brothers and sisters, and many of them you know, had fathers that were uh, similar to Coral, and w- I watched uh, one sit-in meeting uh, where they all got together, and obviously they were supervised visits, and there was an enthusiasm to the father playing with the, with the children, a very perverse enthusiasm, and I could tell that something was wrong. I was only 11 years old, um, but yeah, they do... Uh, lighten up, I guess, and they do become very uh, animated around yeah. children. But that's not to say that there aren't 
men out there who actually are very good scoutmasters, who actually can help out the best majority, the vast majority. No, I know three of them. Let's leave scoutmasters alone. No, the vast majority of these guys are totally cool dudes and are actually doing something good for the community. Little league coaches, scoutmasters, like these guys are actually doing this shit because they enjoy doing it, not because they want to put their mouths on the little boys' balls. And women are good at it too. Watch the movie Troop Beverly Hills. Great feature (laughs) film. Well, this is what Ruby Jenkins said about uh, Dean's attitude towards kids. Uh, She said, he was a regular Pied Piper. Everybody told him to stop, but he wouldn't stop. The principal even called and said, please don't encourage the kids. They're crossing the street to get the candy. The parents are complaining. But Dean, he would just still give it out. God, man, it's so crazy because he made the candy. I mean, it's like the full process. Well, what? She meant by, you know, the kids, you know, not letting the kids around or anything like that. This was almost, this was like fate stepping in in an extremely horrible way. Uh, because while Dean was in the army, Mary set up the candy factory mm. across the street from an elementary school. Do you, th- so, and is this really one of the, uh, is this why we get the whole candy uh, in children uh, being lured in by the pedophile trope? No, Was I just think pedophiles one? have been using candy to get kids since there's been candy kids and pedophiles. <laughs> but let's just say, okay, let's just say he ran a factory that made lug nuts. Would we just be like, hey, so somebody stopped in a red van and offered you lug nuts? Do not talk to that man. Yeah. Like, would, it, would it change? Bill, I gotta say, you know I'm a sucker for free lug nuts. The next thing I know, I'm over at this guy's Dean's house, and he's got lug nuts as far as the eye can see, and I'm pretty much drooling. Next thing I know, I'm getting raped behind a silent. <laughs> just wondering. <laughs> Not good. Not yeah, good. I, I mean, and that's what happened when Dean came back. All of these kids found out that there was this candy factory across the street, so they'd line up at the door trying to get free samples, and Dean would just go out there and he'd just hand out all of the irregular pralines that and this they is, couldn't sell. And mm. this is where he started grooming the, his later victims. You'd exactly. actually found out that he's known a lot of the victims that, that, that you'll find later on. He'd known them since they were little, since they were five or six, and they've known him forever, which is kind of that thing that goes along, too, a lot of times in molestation cases and child abuse cases, it's from somebody that they know. Mm-hmm. Because he's already built this sort of inner structure of trust with them so that right. they never want to report him being weird. So he would be like, Tommy, you know me. I knew you since you were little, and now even you're a little bit less little. Yes, you this remember? guy's a, yeah, he was a but monster. Yeah, 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 yeah. He was like the boogie. He was, he was a, a boogeyman. Yeah, it sounds yeah. like the definition of all, all what we think of when we think of pedophiles, it seems to be him, right? Yeah, I mean, he is, uh, yeah, he's a bit of a prototype, definitely. Uh, mm. And after he'd been grooming these kids for a few years with the candy, eventually he installs a pool table in the back room of the factory. So now you've got a steady stream of 14 and 15-year-old kids coming in and out every single day. Mm. Uh, and you got to tell me, as that was the problem, because they were they were trying to do a reality television show, Pimp Your Candy Store. <laughs> oh. The problem is, is that they kept uh, Exhibit kept making all these pleasure domes for pedophiles. Oh, I had no idea. <laughs> yeah. Man, they got to cancel that show. And it was also around the time that the 14 and 15 year old boys were coming in and out constantly and Dean started hanging around them. Uh, it was around the time the factory workers noticed that Dean wasn't exactly all that interested in women. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of them would say, you know, he would get a little giddy around young boys uh, and women. But a lot of them also said that, like, well, he's a nice guy, he's a hard worker. He doesn't seem to be doing anything terrible. Let's just not talk about it, and everything will be fine. But he would do stuff like, you know, he took that one one woman, finally convinced him to go on a date with him, and then they, they go out to the beach to meet for the date, and he shows up with a van filled with 14-year-old boys. <laughs> right. Which is, like, really fucked up. And uh, then I, I like this point you made, too, about, about when Dean's mother says that she maintained that the children were just Dean's protection against involved getting involved with anybody emotionally mm. um, because she had been divorced and married fucking three times and yeah. also divorced and married Dean's father twice. Yeah. Divorced and married Dean's father twice once to a salesman uh, that lasted very quickly uh, and then we'll find out here in a little bit what her fourth and fifth marriages were like which mm. scrambled him up uh, even more. Uh, but oh and by the way that van that he showed up in uh, with all the kids 
windowless white Econoline mm. van. Ooh, that's actually a nice van. <laughs> it I is do nice, like a good van. It is yeah. a nice van. It's a super nice van. But, but he's not a young punk band, is he? No, 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 <laughs> no, 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 no. He's not. Uh, he's not uh, Operation Ivy in that band. <laughs> he is fucking. Yeah. He is. It's a pedophile special. Oh, oh different. yeah. It's not Black Flag 1981. But like, he did play the trombone. <laughs> Oh, and he kept playing it, if you know what I mean. Mm. Oh, yeah. We covered it earlier. All right. <laughs> Sucking dick with it. Little Chewies. <laughs> Little Chewies. Oh. So even after Dean was killed and all of his crimes came to light and it was extremely obvious that Dean was gay, his mother still didn't believe it. And this was mostly because a psychic who did Dean's chart told Mary that because of the exact time and date that Dean was born, it was astrologically impossible that oh. Dean could be a homosexual. But she well, didn't know that what he meant was astrono- astrologically, and he had spelled it A-S-S, and he was uh, winking the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> you get it? But I hate to go all, uh, I hate to go all MSNBC. It is a little problematic to call him gay. He is, an, is, he is a pedophile. No, he's gay. He's gay? Yeah, he's gay, absolutely. Mm. Can you He had homosexual second. relationships with men. Yeah, he had with older men oh, as yeah. well. He just skewed young because he could uh manipulate them more. Yeah, there are homosexual pedophiles and heterosexual pedophiles. That's no, that's right. a, yeah, the, okay. it's those are three different classifications. I'd say he was candy maker first, <laughs> trombone player second, uh-huh. pedophile third. Yeah. And then gay. Yes. All right. Yeah. Just want to lump the two together. No, absolutely not. No, absolutely not. That's where your brain went. Yeah, you're thinking. No, that's been the, the theory of, of the gay uh, person has been for years thought of as, they, as if they no, were No, you're absolutely right. You're, you're yeah. very right that those two things. But Dean Carl did have homosexual relationships with adults uh, outside. Okay. He just didn't like it. Yeah, he just, he was, yeah, he was like a little down for it, but still it wasn't quite uh, getting him. Uh, it's like Hunt's ketchup. <laughs> just not Heinz. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like the good stuff. Yeah. Oh, I used to hate eating at the family's house who had the Hunt's ketchup. Like, what is wrong with you people? <laughs> just put some salt in it. <laughs> just have sex with the boy. Oh, come on now. Uh, the uh, But, you know, even though Mary didn't accept that her that her son was homosexual everybody at the factory knew it and nobody openly acknowledged it but everyone accepted it because he was such a nice decent person uh, as they said and within a couple of years the factory was just filled with teenage boys both hanging out and working there and none of these boys reported any shenanigans mm-hmm. or any misgivings whatsoever about Dean none except for Jimmy. Jimmy yeah. just didn't know how to play along. Right. I mean, at this point, it just reminds me of the Foot Clan and Shredder. It is a little bit like that, but all of the Foot Clan yeah. was also getting molested. Oh, right, right. We don't. Bebop and Rocksteady had some terrible. But you can just imagine them. Dean Coral just like laying out pralines and divinities, just whistling and like grab assing with little boys. Yeah. That was probably a great time for him. I guarantee you. Yeah. I guarantee it was the best time of his life. Uh, Jimmy, he hated to be alone with Dean, he, but he would never tell any. Anybody why and nobody really pressed the issue because uh, all Jimmy would do when people would ask why he never ever wanted to work alone with Dean he'd just hang his shoulder or just hang his head down and just kind of shrug his shoulders and go like I don't know and then go ahead and work with him alone anyway said he has to always give me private trombone lessons <laughs> all right well no this poor child yeah yeah jimmy was a poor boy like yeah yeah jimmy wasn't having a good time there uh and and this also wasn't the only hint of dean's future behavior De- dean even though he was considered to be a nice decent guy he did have a temper but he kept it very tightly controlled and he kept it very private. Anytime he got angry, he'd retreat to the back of the factory to what eventually came to be known as the pouting room. Mm. And nobody knows what Dean did in the pouting room to calm himself down, but he'd always go in there red-faced and angry and come right back out all smiles again. You hear outside the door, you're like, Furiously doing the Macarena alone. 
Whatever he has to do to calm himself, it works. (laughs) And another sign that things were starting to go awry was Dean's newfound passion for digging. Hmm. Nobody... Let's just put this out there for listeners in general. Well, if you get a buddy, I know Marcus, you love yes, to dig. Marcus, yes. this is his thing. But I'm just saying, if it, but Marcus has always loved to dig because he grew up in piles of dirt. It's a lifelong passion. Yes. But if someone randomly, out of nowhere, your buddy's like, <laughs> you know what I've been doing lately? A lot of trench digging. Huh, you didn't do that a couple of weeks ago. What happened? No, it's like I needed a reason to do it. <laughs> Anyways, I gotta show you my new spade It's diamond tipped You gotta come over sometime We can play some lunch We can have some lunch We're gonna have some beers We can play with my handcuffs <laughs> I'm there I like the idea of playing lunch anyway This is my yeah, this is my new LeBron My LeBron Nike swoosh My <laughs> fucking shovel oh, Playoff man. series shovel Yeah, I like the idea of people getting together And like uh, play, pretending to be their favorite competitive eater That'd be kind of fun <laughs> So Dean's first big digging project was to dig up the floor of his pouting room, board it over, and then cement that. Next, he started to dig holes out near White Oak Bayou, but only at night. Hmm. His explanation was that old candy apples drew bees and spoiled pecans were infested with weevils. No. And the best way to dispose of them was to bury them. Completely reasonable. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Maybe it is. I actually don't know. So Technically, he's got Willy Wonka problems. <laughs> he does. These are Wonka problems. Yep. Mm. And Candy Apple Woman Ruby Jenkins said about this, Oh, he was real good about it. He did his burying without a word of complaint the way he did everything else. He had this big roll of clear plastic, four or five foot wide, and he had sacks and sacks of cement and some other stuff back in his pouting room, but we never asked what he used it for. Now, why ask questions? I don't know. I feel like it's just sometimes just go out there and ask a question. Just, you know what? At the same time, when I see somebody collecting bags of cement and having like big old strips of plastic sheeting and, mm-hmm. and shovels and ropes... That's also when I stop asking questions. Yeah, that's kind of a good because point. Because it's just like you just, because then you're implicated. Yeah. Whatever's happened, once it gets to the point where he has purchased with a receipt mm-hmm. plastic sheeting and has it all over his fucking pouting room, a, a room that everyone has agreed to call his pouting room, Yeah. you know for a fact he is committing crimes. You just quit. You, you know quit what? the job. You don't come back. If I see anybody with those products, I say making a gazebo, <laughs> and then he, they them. just say whatever. Keep they on walking. Exactly. He's making a gazebo because then they <laughs> don't have to make up a lie. You right. give them the lie exactly, and because you'll see the relief being like. Yes, that is what I'm trying. I, yes, thank you. Thank you, Ben, so much. Man. Yes, it is a gazebo. Yes, 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 yes. So yes. many nice people here in Texas making gazebos. So nice. Do you want to come back by my pouting room for some candy apples and to play with my handcuffs? I've got a jog. Nah, I actually have to jog. You know when I am busy yeah. building these gazebos? It's yeah. like this gazebo is getting bigger every week, all huh. these holes I got to dig. Well, I just started I just started jogging sometimes. <laughs> well, the digging started around the time that Mary's fourth and fifth marriages came about, both to a merchant seaman named Walt Coburn mm. that Mary had met using a 1960s computer dating service. Walt really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They used to have these back in the 19s. They'd have those big room computers, and they'd send out, like, apparently what they they would would do. They would do punch cards. Yeah, they would do these. They would fill out these questionnaires. Uh, They would feed the questionnaire answers into a computer, and then a few days later, it would spit out uh, your match. How flawed was she? She got a a longshoreman? A seaman? It's so very funny. When you read The Man with the Candy, several people all say the same thing about Mary, being like, I don't really see why someone's got to go to a computer to find a husband. You just don't be 500 pounds, but at the same time, you can just be 500 pounds. I mean, the computer gave her a man at sea. Yeah. What kind of give, what kind of <laughs> husband is that? Well, apparently they matched up well, because uh, Walt was an extremely violent, paranoid schizophrenic that Mary hitched up with after only knowing him for a month or two. And mm. it was only after the marriage that Mary found out that Walt was highly suspected of killing his first wife by hanging her, then staging it to look like a suicide. A little similar to Tinder. <laughs> well, like that, yeah. And Walt was so crazy and unstable that Mary hid in the candy factory for six weeks straight to escape him. And when he found out where she was, he sent her eight dozen flowers and told her that she'd have the most beautiful funeral you ever saw 
unless she came back home. Oh, I thought it was sweet, but then it was, but then it wasn't. No, I say the same thing to Natalie every yeah. night. Oh, I'm going to make you the most beautiful funeral. <laughs> Hopefully later than sooner. Yeah. <laughs> Keep it for the record. Fried Just eggs. In case. <laughs> fried eggs. I know it's four in the morning, but I'm making fried eggs. Uh, <laughs> that's very nice. But six weeks at her job. Why wouldn't he show up at the at the factory where she worked? Well, not I a mean, smart guy. I guess. He's not a smart man. No, he is absolutely not. So unfortunately, the Coral Candy Company did not survive the stresses that came along with Mary's marriage to a psychotic sailor. So Dean was forced to take a day job with Houston Power and Lighting Company. Man, the Macarena was going strong in the pouting room that night. <laughs> <laughs> so Mary, who was looking to escape her ex-husband completely, moved to Colorado on the advice of another psychic. Now, this is very surprising, and no one knows exactly why this came about, but Dean decided to not go with his mother to Colorado. He decided to stay in Houston. Well, it sounds like he had already built his little uh, structure. His, it, it sounds like he already built his perfect structure of, like, essentially pedophile. Like, he, he knew what he was going to do by then. Yeah, he like, had his plan. Yeah, because we talk yeah. about, like, when serial killers allow themselves the little things that, that make the, what they then do can be, like, against their, like, against their will. It's like a thing that they have to do. Yeah. It's because he's now set it all up. It's like, well, now it's too late to go because I set up all these kids. I've been grooming everything. Right. But that's another thing that, you know, makes Dean Coral so terrifying is that he is devious and he plans and he waits and he is patient. Yes. Like he, and he, the whole nice guy facade that he puts up, like this was, like he was doing it for a reason. It was calculated. It was extremely right. calculated to get people uh, to trust him. Uh, but Especially kids. Yeah, especially kids. And within a couple years of Mary leaving, Dean would transform from just the nice guy with the candy to one of the most prolific and brutal serial killers the world has ever seen. Uh, we're going to get next week, we're going to start getting into him meeting his accomplices, start getting into some of the first abductions and murders. Uh, and and th this case is... Um, it's, it's horrifying. Like, this is yeah. one of the most horrifying cases that we're ever going to cover. I will say, and you know, this is this is maybe ridiculous to posit, but I think that uh, one thing I like when I read these things, when we go into the, these guys who kill lots of little boys, is that I'm really glad that I don't read some of the descriptions of the crime and then, like, spontaneously get hard. Well, right, <laughs> right, 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 that right. Would end, that would just end my life. Yeah, that would end I'm, all of our yeah, lives. Yeah, we couldn't yeah, do the you. show because, yeah, that would be bad. Because I would, it would make the secret grow. Theory you know would have to turn you in. Yeah. That's the whole thing. It's a relief. Yeah. It's an absolute relief. Yeah. That, but also right. this case to me shows that there may be some truth to the idea that John Wayne Gacy also had uh, co-conspirators. Yeah. We'll talk, we'll talk about it. So much more to discuss. Well, what a great intro to Dean Coral. Good background. Things will get more disgusting from here on out. Always. And no, then we I, always promise always. that. These we, are the We monsters. always promise that. And you know what? We always deliver. We do always deliver. Yeah. But we also believe that it is important to understand these monsters as the actual people that they are. Also, in the details and the gruesome the gruesome details are the thing that allow you to... I mean, you know, it's real. And it happened. And yeah. these been, there are monsters that, that live on the on the earth. And there are a bunch of them active right now. Your kids are probably hanging out with one right now. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's fine. But do, do give a phone call do check in please on your children um all right everyone well thanks so much for listening thanks so much for uh, uh paying giving giving cash to the patreon that's so sweet yeah if you guys want to give to our uh patreon campaign if you want to help subsidize the show go to patreon.com slash last podcast on the left uh at the five dollar level you get a lot of free bonus content i'm so sorry that last week we had uh the technical difficulties and we weren't able to put out a full episode these things happen it hasn't happened in years to us uh uh, but it's just the way things go sometimes when you put out a show every single week like we do. Yeah. Uh, and if you want to hear what we were able to salvage from the episode, you can go to patreon.com slash last podcast on the left and pledge $5 a month and you'll gain access to that. Go oh, we'll, have, we'll have new recordings up this week too for uh, as extra content for those of you that are Patreon supporters. I believe the $20 level? Uh, $5 level. $5 level. Yeah. And then we will, and so that will also be good for your ear heels. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Every every week, we're going to try to put out bonus content every single 
single week for our five dollar uh, and up donors. That's right. And thanks so much for supporting all the shows here on CCR. The network is just doing great. Uh, listen to Sex and Other Human Activities, Page Seven, The Roundtable of Gentlemen, Abel against Top Hat is heating up with the politics, so that's kind of fun. And uh, you know, everything's been really going in the right direction. So make sure. Oh, so follow us on Instagram at LP on the left. Uh, and if you want to, I guess, follow me as well at a, at Dr. Fantasty. Mm-hmm. That's right. And you can also follow Henry Zabrowski on Twitter at Henry Loves You. You can find Marcus Parks on Twitter at Marcus Parks. And I am at Ben Kissel. Mm-hmm. And if you want to order your last podcast on the left t-shirt, go to cavecompanyradio.com slash merch. They're $25 each. And if you need to make some t-shirts yourself, uh, we get our t-shirts done by a company called uh, Jack Prince. If you want to order from them, use the code JPLASTPOD16 to get some great discounts on whatever t-shirts you want to order. And March 11th, Netflix is finally going to have quality content. Henry Zabrowski is starring in a special called Characters. The Characters, yes. The Characters. Tell everyone a little bit about it. I was given 30 minutes to do whatever the fuck it is I wanted. And sadly, they let me do that. And it is, uh, and it's pretty, uh, well, it's pretty adventurous. And Henry, I will say that <laughs> Henry was gracious enough to have a lot of your favorite uh, people here from CCR uh, involved in the project, and a lot of different comedians that you've seen on the stage and screen. I'm going to say there's a lot of cum in it, and also a lot <laughs> yes. of my nude body. So if you enjoy any of these things, then you'll like you'll like that. And I'm sorry for that. I'm sorry you like that. That's nice to apologize. Yes. Just get it out of the way. Just get it done now. Yeah. yeah. So, yes, please watch and write into Netflix and tell them Satan commands them to give me an entirely original series order of my own characters. I love the idea. And uh, finally, uh, we, because our Patreon has been such a success, we're finally able to do our first live show out of town after Washington, D.C. We are going to be doing Baltimore on March 5th uh, at a venue called Autos. Uh, We're going to have, we're going to put out all the details here very soon, but that's going to be us, Last Podcast on the Left, and the Cowmen are also going to be traveling and doing that show uh, as well. So that's Autos March 5th in Baltimore. And the more uh, people we get on our Patreon, the more we can travel out and do live shows, the further out we can travel. Uh, and again, if you guys want to give to us, that's uh, patreon.com slash last podcast on the left. And we're going to end this episode with a cowman song if you've never heard us before. So hey. you get a little bit of a taste. All right. Hail, hail yourselves. Hail Satan. And Hail Geek. The legend of Cayman Jack is just around the corner. Mixed with blue agave nectar, real lime juice, and cane sugar for the perfect balance of sweet, salty, and sour every time. 
Discover legendary taste with Cayman Jack, America's number one margarita. Premium flavored malt beverage. Please drink responsibly. All registered trademarks used under license by American Vintage Beverage Company, Chicago, Illinois. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply.